Let's open up our Bibles. Matthew chapter uh, 16. Matthew chapter 16. We're going to begin reading from verse uh, 25 and uh, 26. And I'm just going to read two verses, but then I'm going to go ahead and read from another translation. And it, it reads this way. And by the way, I really believe that this message is for everyone in this room. It's been a couple of weeks since I preached on this pulpit. And I was asking the Lord, what is it that you want to share with your people? And I really believe that that this is it. So I'm going to encourage you that, man, what if you would just take the next 40 minutes and just be fully present? Amen? Like you would be fully present in this moment, receiving all that God has for you. And, and you're not here just to maybe just kind of listen or hear but not listen, that you would be here and really listen to the voice of God in this place. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, it says, Those who want to save their lives will give up true life. What he's outlining here just quickly is, hey, there is, there is a way that you can pursue something that you want so bad, but then lose who you are in the process. It says, those who desire to save their lives will give up true life. And those who give up their lives for me, someone shout for me, for me, will have true life. Now listen to verse 26. It says, it is worthless to have the whole world if they lose their souls. They could never pay enough to buy back their soul. Can you imagine that sometimes we use the most valuable thing in our lives, which Jesus seems to think it's your soul. And he says, oftentimes we use the most valuable thing in our lives as the currency to buy something that is less valuable. He says, they could never pay enough to buy back their souls. I want to read it from the New Living Translation. And it says, verse 26, and I'm just going to read verse 26 and says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your soul? Is it anything worth more than your soul? My title to our message today is the home of your soul. Look at the person next to you. Tell them the home of your soul. Tell them like you mean it. Tell them the home of your soul. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I just want to say, Lord, we are grateful that we are here today in your house. And I just pray, Lord God, that as I share this message, that you, are, you would truly penetrate the hearts today, Lord God. That we came here to experience something different, God. We go to different places and we experience different things, but we know that there's a longing, there's a God-shaped hole in our hearts that only you can fill, that only you can satisfy. I pray that you meet that need in our soul right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God a praise one more time in this room? Um, how, many, how many of us would agree here that there is no place like home? I'm going to say that again. There's no place like like, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say home is where the heart is. Because there, there's just no place like 
home. I was away for three weeks in Dominican Republic fighting lions, tigers, and bears, and spiders. Oh my. And all I wanted to do was be back in Staten Island, New York, Grasmere, 10305 in my home place, in my home castle, walking down the corridors of my own comfort, because all I wanted to do was be back at home. Wanted to be back at home because there's no place like home. And, and you know exactly what I'm talking about because, I mean, I don't care what anybody says. No matter where you go, I don't care what anybody says. There is no bathroom experience that you can have in a public restroom stall that would ever compare the beauty and the majesty of sitting at home in your own throne, handling your own business, spraying your own potpourri, walking out unhindered and uncensored. There's no place like... And you know exactly what I'm talking about because there's a lot of people here who you've waited. You've been on the road, waited a whole hour before you got home because it doesn't compare to going to public stall than to go back at home and handle your business. Come on, somebody. Y'all know, y'all know, y'all got some extra exercises holding it till you get home. Anyway, because it's just something about home. It's just something about being in that place where you are most comfortable. They say that when you are at home, you are the most like yourself. Home is the place where you find a sense of Stability. It's a place that you find a sense of security. It's a, it's a place that you find a sense of identity. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like at home, it's like your domain. It's your own castle. It's your place. Like there's a lot of beautiful places that you can go to. There's a lot of beautiful places that you can visit. I mean, I love going to the mall and I love going and spending all my money on Selah on things that she will, she will forsake in a couple of weeks. I love going to the mall, but I don't make the mall my home. I love when people invite me over for dinner and I get to go to their house and eat their food. I love it, but that's not home. Like, I love visiting other places, but that's not home. There's always a place that you go back to. There's always a place where your heart feels at peace. There's always that place that you can come back to and feel the most like yourself. And, and here's the thing about having a physical home. Having a physical home, watch this, has significant impacts. Just Having a place to call home on a physical level has significant impacts on a psychological level. Just having a place that you can lay your head, a place that you can feel at peace, has significant impact. So much so that there have been some people that have lost their home and also lost their sense of identity on a physical level. I read an article the other day, and this is what it said. It said that... There are so many effects that happens in, on a psychological level to a person who has lost their home or to a person who has now found themselves being homeless. And maybe you've experienced this sometime in your life. I remember as a kid having to run away from my father, so we left our home and we were going from house to house to house and losing a bit of ourselves because we didn't have a place to lay our head. We didn't have a place that we can call home. We were, we were on the run and... The article said this, that when you are homeless, your only concern or the only effect is not that you have 
lost a roof over your head, that you actually experience some serious, significant psychological impacts. One of them being that you lose the sense or you lose the ability to take care properly of yourself. One of the other impacts that happen is that when you are homeless, watch this, when you are homeless, you, the, the likelihood of you allowing yourself to be abused increases significantly. When you are homeless, the likelihood of you giving into some type of substance in order to find relief increases significantly. The likelihood of you experiencing complete low self-esteem increases significantly. When you are homeless, what begins to happen is that you begin to develop behavioral problems in your life. Now watch this, catch this, catch this. It's not that you had those problems and so the answer to someone who's homeless on a physical level is not to come now and bring them a self-esteem coach or behavioral therapist because those are just effects of a person not having a physical home. And so because they don't have a physical home, they've developed behavioral problems. The answer is not to bring them a behavioral coach. The answer is to find them a place that they can lay their head because if you fix that problem, the symptom begins to vanish. Now the Bible also says that as it is in the spiritual, so it is. As it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. Title to my message is Home for Your Soul. Because here's the truth. Your soul has a place where it feels the most at peace. See, your soul has a place where it feels at home. Your soul has a place that it will call its place where it feels the most true. Your soul has a place where it could experience purpose. Your soul has a place that it can retreat to. Your soul has a place that it could feel at ease. Your soul has a place where it feels most alive. Your soul has a place that it can call home. And I want to identify for you what that place is right off the jump. I'm not going to even wait to get to the end of the message to tell you where that place is. Because in John chapter 15, I love the words of Jesus in the message translation. He says in verse 5, he says, live in me. Make your visitation in me. No, my friends, it says make your home in me, just as I do in you. And in the same way that I, a branch can bear, bear grapes by itself, but only by joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. In other words, when you don't make me your home, it has significant impacts in your life. And when you don't make me your home and you just make me a, a visitation, when you don't make me your home, you start laying your head somewhere else and trying to produce things in your own power. But you can never do that. Can I just be honest with everyone today? The pleasure you found in that relationship was never meant to be your home. The security you achieved in that new job position was never meant to be your home. The pride that you get when you finally get to that place of reaching your goal in 2022 was never meant to be your home. The relief that you found going back to that addictive behavior was never meant to be your home. The checking off a box 
the checking off a box of a white picket fence and three degrees and three children and having the zero on the bank account, the extra zero on the bank account, it was never meant to be your home. Those things don't meet the requirements of what it takes to be a permanent resident for your mind, your will, and your emotions, if you believe that in this place. It was never meant to be your home. And Jesus is like, hey, I am the home of your soul. I am the place where you can find peace. I am the place that you can find comfort. I am the place that you can find everlasting hope. I am the place that you will find your stability. I am the place that you will find your security. I am the place that you will find your safety. I am the place that you can kick your feet up, that you can remove the mascara, that you can let your hair down. I am the place where you can put on your pajamas and rest in me. I am the home of your soul if you believe that in this place come on give God a shout I am the home of your soul and I had this thought as I read this article that if it's true that we can experience these effects of just being homeless and I've spoken to a few homeless people and they have lost a sense of their identity if it's true you can experience such significant psychological effects of just not having a place to call your home. You can have low self-esteem. You can lose the ability to care for yourself properly. That You begin to develop these behavioral problems in your life just because you didn't have a physical place to lay your head. You didn't have a home. You didn't have a shelter. I wonder if it's the same for our soul. That if this is true in the natural and in the physical, I wonder if it's also the same in the spiritual and in the unseen world. That maybe it's not that you have low self-esteem. Maybe, just maybe, it's that your soul hasn't been home in a while. Maybe, just maybe, it's that your soul has been wandering off in homelessness. Maybe, maybe it's not that you have a pattern of making poor choices maybe is that you've allowed your soul to wander to a place where you think you find some kind of fulfillment in those choices that you make and you don't know where home base is. Maybe it's, maybe it's not that you, you, think who, you, you think you are who you say you are. Maybe it's that you have chosen to lay your head in a place to find identity in it that was never meant to give you identity. Maybe, just maybe, what you're dealing with is the symptom and the effect of a soul not being at home for a while. Because here's the thing, when you don't know where your home is, when you don't know where your home is, you will lay your head anywhere you go. And here's the thing, you were never meant to lay your head and find your home in just anything. And this is what I love about Matthew as he writes this and he's kind of just giving the narrative or he's giving the transcript of a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And look what he says. He says, for, for whoever wants to save his life. This is what he says. He says, for whoever wants to save his life. In the Greek, this word life, you might think oftentimes, like I've heard this throughout the years, is like, hey, what is it worth to gain the whole world and lose your soul? You're going to burn in hell. You're going you're gonna to die. That's what it means. In fact, that's really not what it means. 
In the Greek language, this word life was talking about your inner person. It was talking about your soul. It, it, it says, what is it worth to gain the whole world but then lose who you are in the process? He goes, he who desires to like to save his life, this term save, it, save his life means this. It means when you wander off and begin pursuing life, a life that is, that is, that is offered by this world's standards, a life that you, you wander off giving into the pseudo offers of the world saying, hey, you can be satisfied by this. You can be fulfilled by this. You can find inferior purpose here. You can find who you truly are in this thing. And the problem is that when you get there, you realize you're still not at home in your soul. He says, have you ever tried to reach something and as, as you were looking for something, you were losing yourself? As you were trying to find some kind of satisfaction, as you were trying to find some kind of fulfillment, as you were doing those things, you began to lose who you truly are. Have you ever felt like maybe you've lost yourself? Jesus seems to think that when you begin to wander off from what your soul actually needs, you begin to give in to the inferior pleasures of this world, but you ultimately pay, pay the price of losing who you are in the process and the problem is that what your soul was created for is what your soul was created from you're gonna get that on the way home come on somebody what your soul was created for is what your soul was created from see your soul was created to find its place and find its home in the heart of God. That's what you were created for because that's where you were created from. So you were created to live in the heart of God because you originated from the heart of God. And what your soul is created for is always what your soul was created from. This is why he says, what does it profit a man? What does it profit a man to gain his whole world? What does it profit a man to gain success? What does it profit man to succeed in his own individual endeavors? What does it profit a man to do all that but yet lose who he is in the process? See, when you don't know where your home is, you will always be searching but never finding. You will always be interested in everything but satisfied in nothing. What is it worth to gain the whole world, yet lose your soul? I love it because he says, but if you're willing to lose yourself for my sake, you'll find it. And I found that interesting because I love that Jesus says, hey, for my sake, someone shout my sake. He says, if you're willing, hey, if you lose yourself for my sake, what is yourself? It's, it's, actually, it's, it's actually the lower version of who you are. Anybody have the lower version of who they are that's always on the left shoulder? Comes out around 12 midnight and says, eat chocolate and ice cream. Sounds like Lisa to me. He says, but if you're willing to, to lose that for my sake, and I love that for my sake because here, here's the truth. Sometimes in order for us to gain something, we got to be willing to lose something. Yeah, see, sometimes you have to be willing to lose that relationship to gain and understand what satisfaction in Jesus tastes like. 
See, sometimes you got to be willing to, to let go of the opportunities that you desperately want. And, and you can't lose out on this opportunity because this opportunity doesn't come. Sometimes you got to willing to let that go to learn how to walk in the purpose that God created you for. Sometimes you got to be willing to let go of unforgiveness and bitterness. And even though they messed up and even though they did you wrong, you got to be willing to let that go so you can actually taste what true love is in Christ Jesus. Sometimes you got to be willing. Why? He goes, he goes, he goes, not because because they're good it's because it's my sake not because the opportunity is not good it's because it's for my sake and I love that because it reminds me of Psalms 23 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul for my name's sake do you know that the blessings of God over your life, he's doing it for his name's sake. And he says, I just want you to imitate what I do. See, for my name's sake, I'm going to bless you. For my name's sake, I'm going to make sure you don't lack. For my name's sake, I'm going to give you peace. So you should do the same. Let go of what hinders you for my name's sake. Let go of the thing that you think is going to provide for you for my name's sake. Let go of the thing that you want so desperately for my name's sake. And I'm going to make sure... You're taken care of for my name's sake. Home of your soul. What if we've wandered off and have gotten comfortable in laying our head in a foreign territory that was never meant to provide the benefits of what only a home can? I wonder if so many of God's children have found themselves wandering because they don't know the value of home. I wonder if so many of God's children have found themselves lost because they don't know the value of home. I don't know about you, but I've been there. Oh, I've been, I've been at that place. Oh, I, I know, I know when she says yes. When she says yes, I know. Oh. I'm going to be, I'm, you know, that's all I'm going to be. I'm going to be right there. You're finding your home in something else. Oh, I know that once I get that, you know, you've been there. Like, you, you have that vision in your mind. Like, I know that once I get there. See, and the problem with getting there is oftentimes you are willing to walk away from home to get The last three weeks, I've been studying on this theme in the Bible. It's the theme of what's considered exile. Everybody shout exile. I want to do a quick Bible study. I got 21 minutes. Come on, somebody. Here we go. Um, I want to do a quick Bible study. Let me, let me just shout out to Bible Project and, and all our Bible Project students. Come on, somebody. Right? We, lo we love the Bible Project. And I've been studying this theme of exile. And what exile is, is a theme that's run throughout the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And there's this word that they use consistently in this word called exile. And it becomes a running theme through the entire Bible. This word exile means this, the state or period of forced absence from one's country or home. I need you to lean in here. The, this theme in the scripture begins in the very early pages of scripture. This theme of exile actually begins in Genesis chapter 3, where the Bible says that there was a man named Adam, and Adam at this point 
begins to give into his desires by forsaking the only one command that God gives him to attain something that he thought he needed in his life, listening to Eve, Eve gave into that temptation and ultimately defining good and bad on their own terms, not what God defines as good or bad. They define it on their own terms. They give into that temptation. And the Bible says that the first exile took place because they were banished from the garden. They were, get, they were banished from the place they called home. From this point on, God's chosen people would then find themselves in foreign lands, traveling from place to place, but God made a promise. I'm grateful to know that no matter where we are, where we are in life, there's a God that is faithful to his promise. If you believe that in this place, give him a praise. Goes from place to place, and he makes a promise. He makes it to Abraham. He says, there will be a land. He makes it to Moses. He says, there will be a land. And, and the generations continue to go forth, and through the leadership of Joshua, they finally enter the promised land. Someone shout, promised land. They, I love it because they, it, it, it's finally the place that they were looking for. It's finally the place that they were, look forward, they were looking forward to. They're finally going to, they were traveling for years looking for a place. They were foreigners in the lands that they were in. And they were intense and they were finally looking for that place that they can call home. They were, they were searching, they were searching and they were being led by God to say, when are we going to get to the promised land? And a lot, out of desperation, a lot of things happened, but they kept moving forward. And through Joshua's leadership, they finally get to the promised land. And here we are, home sweet home it's amazing we're here we're finally home a celebration and god's people are finally at a place that they can call home and then throughout the years kingdoms begin to grow and be built and it is during this time that you see kingdoms arise through the leadership of saul and david and kings are established over and over but here's a pattern that you'll begin to find it begins to say something like and when this king took place he did evil in the Lord's sight as his father. And so you will see this over and over. When this king took place, it gets down, it goes down all the way to the last king of Israel. The last three kings of Israel, you have Jehosha, Jeho, uh, Jehoshakim, you have Jehoshachin, and then you have Zedadiah. Try to say that three times fast, right? And what happens is that the king of Babylon, after Jehoshachim and Jehoshachin, keep giving into idol worship. They keep leading the people of Israel astray, away from God, pursuing their own version of what satisfaction is, their own version of what worship is, their own version of what good and evil is. They begin to adopt the culture of other kingdoms. And what God does is say, hey, you have completely lost your way. And the king of Babylon then comes and conquers Jerusalem and Judah, um, taking the king's prisoner. Now, now here's what happens. This begins to escort what is considered in the Bible 70 years of the Babylonian exile. And the Babylonian exile was that for 70 years, God's people were living in a foreign land that was their temporary home, but they always wanted to go back to their home. Now, fast forward, the king of Persia comes in and he conquers Babylon. Look at uh, Kelby's like in, in cloud nine right now. He's like, he, Pastor Rose talking about the Old Testament. Come on, somebody. And so 
the king of Persia comes and conquers the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And what takes place is that now they are relieved or they're allowed to go back to their homeland. But here's a little bit of a plot twist. When they get back to their homeland, they finally get back to a geographical lake location that they once knew as home. But once they get there, what they find is that they no longer feel at home in their heart. So the people of Israel get back to a geographical location and still don't feel like it. Finally, we're going to get back to home. We're going to finally get back to home. And what that began to reveal is that their home was actually much deeper than a geographical location. So no matter where they went, no matter where they stepped their foot, what the exile actually began to represent in the Bible was this sense of longing and wanting for something to feel at home. Okay, fast forward to Jesus. Now watch this. Now where the Bible begins to transition is now that the promise is no longer a land that you got to travel to. Now the promise is a person that's going to travel to you. The people of Israel, watch this, were promised a land that they had to make their way towards. To what? To feel that. Why were they going to the promised land? To feel that. They finally got back to the promised land. They didn't feel at home. But now the promise through the prophets, the major and the minor prophets, what begins to happen is that, is that, is that Jesus, the, the promise is no longer a, a geographical location that's going to make you feel at home. The promise now is a person that is going to make his home among us so that you can make your home amongst him. Woo! So, so then what happens is, is that throughout the Old Testament, throughout the prophets, what you will see is that over and over and over again, God's people are at home, but even in a geographical location, they begin to create their own Babylon. Their own chaos. Their own separation from God. They have the promised land, but they don't feel at home in their hearts. What Jesus did is that he comes now, makes his home among us. And walks around like a wanderer with no home. Even when he was born, he had no home. He was born in a manger. He had no place to lay his head. He, had, he was a traveler. He was a wanderer. So that what? Watch this. So that no matter where you went geographically, you could always feel at home with him. Now there's people throughout the world. There's two billion people throughout the world that can find their home in Jesus. You know why? Because it's no longer a geographical location that'll make you feel at home. Now we can walk the earth and any place that we step our foot in becomes home because home is no longer external. Home is now internal. If you believe that in this place, give God a praise. So, Jesus then becomes our home. And exiles, exile. And you might be like, you might, you might be here and you might be like, um, um, exile. I'm never going to use that word. But here's the truth. When you become a wanderer, your, your, your heart is in exile. What do I mean? That you're just ex existing. Never truly living. Because you'll never find who you truly are unless your soul finds its place at home. I'm going to ask Javi to come up.
play the keys. There's a story in the Bible. And as I, I had to share this story. And, and it's about a father with two sons. And I want to read this to you because the Bible says that the son comes to his father and he's like, he's like, dad. He's like, yeah, what's up, son? He's like, I want my inheritance. Clearly, you know that this is not a Hispanic home because he would have got a beat down the moment he said that. My man. Dad, I want my inheritance. Give me my money right now. Isn't it interesting? He was at home, but his heart was still longing for something. Oh, he was at home. Pastor Marquez, he wasn't home. He says, maybe I'll find home somewhere else. Watch this. This is where we pick up at verse 13. It says, a few days later, this younger son, he packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money. See, he traveled to a distant land. And I think that that's what happens with our soul often. That our soul begins to wander traveling to foreign territory. And you're wondering, why is it that I'm feeling like this? And you're wondering, maybe I need a self-esteem coach. Maybe I need someone that will help me in marriage. Maybe your soul needs to find home in Jesus. It says, about this time, the money ran out. A great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. He who desires to save his life will lose it. I'm starving. I try to gain something that I already have. And in trying to gain something I already have, I've lost myself. It was this exile heart. It was a longing for more. It's a longing to be satisfied and fulfilled. It's a longing to be stable and secure. It's, it's a longing for purpose. It's a longing for home. It's a longing for identity. He persuaded local farmer to hire him. The man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Verse 16, watch this. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. Do you know why? Because if you spend enough time with pigs, the things that pigs eat will become attractive to you and appetizing. See, he was in a place that he, he was laying with the pigs. Like, something that he would have never even given a second look at. He was desiring. Because you spend enough time away from home. Things that you would have never said yes to. You're now giving into. He says, when he finally, oh, I love this. When he finally came to his senses, I wonder if we could have that in this place today. I wonder if we can have this in this place today where God's children can say something. Look what it says. When he finally came to his senses, he says, at home, even the hired servants 
And I, and I see this as this, this crazy picture that, that the prodigal son has. He's like, he's like, hold on a second. He comes to his realization. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm over here eating with pigs. Why am I eating with pigs when I have a home? Why am I giving into desires when I have a home? I have a home that has purpose. I have a home that has peace. I have a home that can provide for me. I have a home that has love. I have a home that has satisfaction. What am I doing in this place? There's a home for my soul. I can't tell you how many times I found myself in the big sty. Come to that realization. What? I'm in the big sty of depression. And I'm like, why am I doing here when I got a home? Why am I in the pig's pen of anxiety when I have a home? Why am I in the pig's pen of insecurity when I have a home? Why am I in the pig's pen of wanting affirmation and worth from others when I have a home? He says it in my father's house, in my father's home. Oh, I will be taken care of. In my father's home, there's servants being taken care of better than me. And I'm not a servant. I'm a son. He goes, I have a home where I can find love. I have a home where I can find peace. Can I tell you today that home isn't being hungry for money. Home is when Jesus is the good father that becomes the treasure of your life. Home isn't when you have to be desperate for an opportunity. Home is when Jesus becomes enough. Home isn't when you give in to addiction after addiction. Home is when you realize that the only high your soul needs is Jesus. Home isn't going from relationship to relationship. Home is found in the open arms of a father saying that's where home is Philippians chapter 3 says this verse 7 and 9 it says but I gave up those things you know they were once important to me I once gave up these things that I used to call home I once gave, I gave up these things that I used to find my identity in. I gave up on these things. Even more than that, I think of everything as worth nothing. Lose yourself for his sake. You will gain the thing that you desperately need. It is so much better to know Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have lost everything I've lost everything for him I've lost for him but I've realized how much more valuable home is can I tell you how quickly you can see the worth of something how many know that five million dollars is a whole lot of money if you have five million dollars, we're raising money for our building. So that people can find their home. You want to see how worthless five million dollars is? It's actually worthless. I'll prove it to you. 
I'll prove it to you that $5 million is worth this. What are you talking about? $5 million? You know how that would change my life? Let them tell me. Hey, I'll give you $5 million if you give me your daughter. Those $5 million becomes five pennies compared to the value of my daughter. Here's what Paul's saying. He said, I once valued $5 million. I once valued it. But when I see the value of my daughter, when I see the value of my king, when I see the value of just knowing him, when I see the value of finding my purpose, when I see the value of seeing lives change, when I see the value that I now have a home, when I see the value, all those things are worth nothing to me. So please understand that I'm willing to lose my aspirations. I'm willing to lose my life. I'm willing to lose my plan. I'm willing to lose my subjective purpose. I'm willing to lose my ego. I'm willing to lose all these things so that I can gain Christ. If you believe that in this place, I dare you to get up on your feet and give God a praise in this room. I don't know about you, but I'm at the place where I'm saying, God, whatever it is you want, God, whatever it is you have, God, whatever you think I need in my life, I want. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what I want to do. Home is where the Father is. So come to the the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness. There it is. Precious. If that's you, I need you to walk to the side. Come on. So come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with. Yes. So come to So come to the altar. And if you're in this place and you're saying, I need to run to the Father's arms, it's what we call, it's what we call transferring from death to life. If you're saying, I need to go back home, the home of my soul. If that's you in this place, I want to pray for you. So I just want you to lift your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Those who are watching online, lift up your hand wherever you are. There it is. I see the hand. I do this. You can put your head, hand right back down. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for your love. I embrace it today. And I'm coming back home. I'm coming back home. I'm coming back home in Jesus' name.